All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you, BT, and, um, and BT is really, really crushing it. We, um, we, share, um, we share the app on our Apple Watches, and before, feels like before I wake up, BT has already completed his uh, workout, and I feel really guilty uh, that I am still in bed while he's working. So uh, he, is really, uh, he really is doing a, a great job. And uh, thank you for being here in worship today. We... Uh, we, we don't take it for granted that you could be someplace else right now, but you've chosen to be here at Trinity Church, for which we are super, super grateful. If this is your first time, we welcome you uh, to Trinity Church and would love to connect with you in some way or another before you take off. Now, before we dive into the message, um, I, I just want to kind of revisit something that we talked about last week. And we talked a little bit about the, the budget shortfall. So at this time of the year, uh, we are, again, $400,000 less than what the budget requires at this point. And I want to bring that up. That's the reality part. That's the reality. And the reality is the reality. And last week, we invited you to say, hey, listen, I, I want to begin praying about um, a sacrificial gift that is above and beyond my regular offering. And thank you for, again, number one, considering and receiving, but also uh, that many of you have already begun praying about uh, that. I wanted to revisit it because I wanted to give you the why. Um, it's easy to talk about the budget shortfall, the what, and sometimes we end up forgetting the why. And the why is really, really simple. And the why is, is because we are a church that's in the stream of the early church for the last 2,000 years. And that is, we exist to make disciples. We exist to see men and women and children and students come to know Jesus as Savior and walk in him, to, for him to teach all of us how to live. That's the reason we do what we do. We don't do this to feed a monster. We actually do it because we want to see lives changed and impacted. I love, love, love. I get excited every time I see it. I get ready to leave here on, I think it's Monday, after, Monday afternoon, Tuesday. I can't remember what day they meet. There's a group of men 12 men that meet in that room, 125 as you walk in, that room right to your left, and they meet there literally every week, and they pour over scripture. They are moving, each, they're, they're pushing each other to follow Jesus more closely. When I, when I walk past, I, I, it almost feels holy. I want to stand, I want to go in and say good, good afternoon, but it feels holy to, uh, to burst in and interrupt, and yet they are praying, they are challenging one another uh, to, uh, to live for Jesus. That's the reason we do what we do. I get excited. There's this, I heard this one story that was relayed to us this week that um, one of our members who, um, who actually substituted for our student ministry on Sunday night. And she wasn't the regular person, the regular teacher, small group leader. She subbed. And at the end of the night, one of the young ladies said, hey, can I talk to you? You feel safe and you feel like you're someone I can talk to. 
And a year and a half later, they've been meeting on a regular basis, and that young lady is steps from trusting Jesus as her Savior. And that is the reason why we do what we do. We see Emmanuel Boateng, who is the uh, director of our uh, college-age ministry, Abide. And one of the things that he relayed to me this week, he said, listen, I, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like I'm not leading anything. I'm just simply facilitating. And the students at MSU, they are the ones who are leading and they are the ones who are pushing one another to follow Jesus, to love Jesus. And I get excited about that. So the reality is the reality. The budget shortfall is the budget shortfall. But the one thing that is not going to change, and that is we are in the business of worshiping God and making disciples, and you help us to do that on a regular basis, and we invite you into the adventure so that we might do more and more and more of it. Now, the interesting thing is, is that where there's a budget shortfall, it hasn't stopped us from innovating, hasn't stopped us from thinking about what God might have for us. So I want to share two things with you that, uh, that are, you'll hear more about. The first one is is that we've been praying about, thinking about, and planning on launching an early childhood development center right here on our campus. Right here on our campus. We get excited about that because, again, we're there. Yes, the, the shortfall is there, but God is still God, and he is causing us to dream. The second thing that, uh, that I get excited about is that uh, we are looking to launch, and you heard a little bit about it when we did our serving expo, to launch a, uh, a full-fledged sports ministry. And that was kind of animated by, uh, we have a, tw- uh, a 12, 18 basket a disc golf course on our property. And we said, God has blessed us. He's blessed us with over 70 acres here. And there, there's room and space. We have a gym in the back and we have a volleyball thingy on the side. And, and, and we said, like, like God has made us stewards of this place. How about being a place where we get an opportunity to invest in the community and make disciples at the same time. I get excited about that, and I hope you do too. And we invite you to be a part of the journey with us. So again, as you uh, think about, pray about what that, um, what that sacrificial gift might be, man, we welcome that, we invite that. Again, if you are, uh, if you have not given, man, we invite you to begin taking your next steps uh, to give as well, and uh, man, we we're grateful for you. Grateful for how God has used you, our church, to help us do the things that we're doing to accomplish the mission and vision of making disciples. Now, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. So last week, Marvin Jr., my namesake, thought he did a great job. I'll let him know you said it. <laughs> um, he he kind of kicked off a, a little mini-series that we're going to do, and it's about doctrine. Now, where do we get that? We get it from Titus chapter 2, verse 1. This is what Paul's tell Titus, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. 
Now, I know sound doctrine, it might sound kind of a little boring, and it's like, ah, I don't know about that. Well, well, doctrine or teaching, biblical teaching, healthy biblical teaching is important because if, if we get our teaching right, if we get the theology right, then the application of that will be right as well. Because that's really what we want. We want to be able to apply the word of God to our lives in such a way where we get Bible results. Now, now what we're going to do over the next several weeks, we're still going to kind of be hanging out in Titus a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to do like a little side and, and an excursion, if you will, talking about the issues of important biblical teaching that help us to understand God a little bit better. Now, we, we believe this is important for us because it helps us to know how to live. Now, what I want to do today, I want to I, I kind of kick us off with um, the, the topic we're going to deal with today. But I want to do that with a little quiz. And that quiz is going to be origin stories of superheroes. Okay, I want to I wanna let you know in advance, I do not have DC individuals on this list. Please do not at me and do not throw anything at me, okay? Um, so, and some everybody, some people are saying, I have no clue of DC. What is he talking about? Washington, DC? Uh, no. So, so, so let's, let me give you a quiz. I'm going to give you part of the origin story, and I, wanna I want you to tell me who I'm talking about. This person is a former KGB spy, didn't inherit any powers, but is as dangerous as every other superhero. Black Widow, thank you. Give him a hand. All right, always looking for a fight. Was banished from his home, from his position to earth, and he's trying to make his way back. Ah, the hammer guy, yes. Love it. Normal life as a scientist until a free accident happened. Gamma rays. Smash. Hulk. Nice. Inherited his genius from his father, but was too egotistical to admit that he did. Iron Man. Yeah, you know. All right. Lost his father. And then he became king of a technologically advanced country. Black Panther, nice. Okay. A scrawny kid from, scrawny skinny kid from Brooklyn, New York. No, let me finish. Brooklyn kid from Brooklyn, New York, and he went to the army. Captain America. Who says Spider-Man? Okay, all right, you got to wait till I finish, all right? So, listen, every single person has an origin story. Every single person in this room has an origin story. And I would dare say our universe has an origin story as well. Every single person in this room and our universe has an origin story. We ask the question, where did the universe come from? And what is its purpose? 
You might be asking, where did I come from? I know I came from my mom and dad, but do I have a purpose? Or am I left to wander in the world all by myself without any kind of purpose, without any kind of plan to my life? These are some of the questions that we want to try to answer, not only in this message, but uh, 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 during the panel as well. And so again, as BT mentioned, you can submit your questions. You might hear something in the course of this message, and you say, man, I want to ask that question. Uh, Again, fill out, you know, Give that question or send that question to hello at wearetrinity.com. This week sometime, we're going to do a a live stream on some of the questions that you submit. Now, when it comes to the origin of the universe, when it comes to the origin of our world, there are essentially two worldviews. Only two, basically two worldviews. One is more atheistic, and there are, um, there, there's a, a number of subplots to atheism. Atheism is this sense of there is no existence. There is no existence of God. But within atheism, there's something called materialism. And materialism is simply is that the material world is eternal, that, that all there is is nothing but material, That is matter. And there is no immaterial, there is no soul, there is no immaterial spirit, there is no God per se. Then the second subplot is evolutionism. And evolutionism just simply says that the population and the species of organisms evolved over a period of time. Time, or there is that 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 this sense that we are some sort of cosmic accident, and then there is humanism. Humanism just simply says there is no discernible purpose to our world. There is no discernible purpose for your life and mine. We just simply are left to our own to to our own to seek our own meaning, to seek our own happiness, and to help others find happiness as well. These say that the universe, that the universe is and life on earth are the result of some sort of cosmic accident and mutations. And then there's the worldview that says that the universe and life on earth are the result of a deliberate design. A deliberate design. And if there is a design, the complexity of our world, the beauty of our world is designed by, if if there's a design to it, if there's an intelligent design, then there must be a designer. The universe and everyone in it have meaning and purpose. Now, though we will not be able to cover everything in one message, there are some important concepts that you and I must hold on to. If we are to, now again, I I, I don't know where you might be, whether you're here in the room or online, I, I have no idea where you might be in terms of your own journey with God. And maybe, maybe you hold to some of uh, these kind of, like, I, I, don't, I don't believe there is a God, or I'm not really sure there's a God, that is agnosticism. I'm not really certain. As followers of Jesus, this is kind of what we have, what we hold to. And so let me give you the larger concepts that 
we want to unpack. And next week, we're going to talk about something a little different that impacts what we're talking about today. So number one, the first concept is that God created the world. I know, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That is so simplistic. But, but yet it is so big. It is so huge. It is, it is huge in our understanding because if, 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 if God did not design and create the world, then you and I are accidents. Then you and I have no purpose. You and I have no plan. And, and we just exist. And yet we have to double down on this idea that God created the universe. Not mutation, not cosmic accident, but God. God created the universe. The book of Genesis, as its name suggests, is a record of beginnings. And from its beginning, one thing is absolutely clear, is that God is creator. God is creator. So the most important point in Genesis 1 is not the Western scientific analysis of when and how. I know we ask those questions, but the, the point of Genesis 1 is the, the, the why and the who of creation. So when God created the world, he created the world. I'm going to give you a a term. He created the world. It's a Latin term. He created the world ex nihilo. And that simply means that God created the world out of nothing. There was no material that existed before uh, uh, for God to make the world out of. In fact, God was the only one who existed before the universe existed. God is the self-existent one. And he created the world from nothing. The text says, God created all things. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's another way of saying that God created all things. John 1 and 3 actually brings the second person of the Trinity into the mix, the word Jesus, and affirms that God created all things. John 1 and 3, it says, all things were created or made through him. And then Colossians 1 and 16 actually picks this up again. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit were involved in the process of creating the world, creating the universe. God spoke. And the world came into being. The power of God's words, the wisdom of God's mind, he spoke and the world came into being. He spoke and there was a sun. He spoke and there was a moon. He spoke, there was grass. He spoke and there were trees. Our God, the eternal one of the universe, his word is powerful and he spoke and life happened. I wish I had one or two people who believe that God's word is still powerful today. He speaks and stuff happens. 
He speaks and lives are changed. He speaks and you have jobs. He speaks and the world's, your world and mine, he upholds it by the power of his hand. God spoke and all, he spoke all creation into existence. He created everything from nothing except humanity. Humanity was created by God's very own hands. He, he scooped down, metaphorically speaking, scooped down, and he fashioned man in his own image. And he blew into man the breath of humanity, the breath of life. Listen to the text. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature and the rib, verse 22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man and the man said girl you look fine I'm kind of exegeting the text a little bit but that's kind of what he said that, 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 that God created the world and then he fashioned us he fashioned us in his own image that he stamped a will in you. He stamped a personality in you. He stamped consciousness in you that our God blew the breath, his breath. He blew his eternal breath in your body and my body and we became living beings. We have this intimate, special relationship with God. God created us in his own image. Look at, listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? It simply means we are like God, and we represent God in the world. You and I, humanity, is the pinnacle of God's creation. And we are more like God than any other creature in the universe. We're the only ones that are appointed to rule and to have dominion and to subdue and to take care of the universe. We're the only ones as God's representatives. God created the world. It's simple, but it's powerful. God created the world and he created you and me. He made you and me. He fashioned us. He made, he stamped his image inside of all of us. This is really important because if we don't believe this, then you, you, if we don't believe this, that God created the heavens and the earth, he created all things, he created you and me, it actually takes more faith to believe this. It takes more faith to believe that an object the size of a pinhead sat in space for some unspecified period of time, then suddenly, for no reason at all, that tiny ball became unstable and exploded and eventually turned into stars and planets and pickles and hamburgers and popcorn and puppy dogs and cats and cockroaches, committees, daffodils, and primordial embryonic goo like you and me. It takes more faith to believe that than to believe the God of the universe created you and me. And so, it takes more faith 
to believe that somehow out of this chaotic explosion, order came into being. At no point in the history of time has there ever been chaos producing order. 1980, Mount St. Helens blew up and it literally decimated the entire place. And there was nothing but death and chaos. In fact, parts of it was called the death zone. Not one time in human history has chaos produced order. Only the God of the universe who speaks things into existence can do that. It's important for you and I to hold on to this. Because if you don't, if you don't hold on to this, is that, that somehow that you, your life has no purpose. That, that your life has no plan. You are just an accident. And, 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 and that, that's what, that's what our, our, kind of our world wants us to believe. And yet, yet we hold on to something so much more precious. Is that, that God in his eternality, in his breaking and creating time and space, who lives outside of time and space, he intentionally and deliberately calibrated this universe so that you and I can live in it. You are not an accident. I know some of you say, you hear your parents say, oh, you were an oops baby. Well, God doesn't have oops babies. He created out of purpose and design. And so God created the heavens and the earth. He created. Scientific theories do not see God as the one who is creator. And because of that, can fail to give dignity where the biblical account gives dignity to all of humanity. See, God didn't need to create anything. He chose to create the world. And he chose to create you and me. Now, with that said, sometimes scientific observations of the world can actually correct some people's misunderstandings. At one time, many Christians actually believed that somehow the, uh, that they thought the Bible actually taught that the sun goes around the earth. And Christians opposed that theory. Um, um, they, they opposed the theories of Galileo where it was the other way around. And, 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 and eventually... The, the church was corrected because science was good. And just because science gets some things right doesn't mean that science gets everything right. In this case, it, it was a beautiful connection between science, where science, God, uh, God allowed scientists to help us to understand the world a little bit better. But I think we should, un, un, we should exercise a great deal of care um, that in, in speaking of issues that the Bible does not clearly speak to. The Bible is not a science book. 
Uh, it is not a philosophy book. It shows us how to have a relationship with God. And when our natural observations about the world, and not only the natural observations about the world or even the observations that, uh, that science have conflict, we have to actually go back to the beginning and just say, okay, where are we both right and where can we connect ultimately when we have the, uh, we understand the Bible, we understand science, I believe there will be no conflict between the two. The Bible is clear. God created the earth and all that is in it, and he did it ex nihilo out of nothing. He created man from the dust of the ground. Before creation, nothing existed but God. We have to hold on to that. So therefore, nothing but God is eternal and timeless. He is outside of our physical world uh, because he's the one that designed it and created it. He is not bound by physical space of depth and height because he's the one that created it. And nothing but God can rule over his creation, even though he shared that with us. He has complete authority over not only the world he created, he has complete authority, whether we acknowledge it or not, he has complete authority over our lives. He has complete authority over our futures. He has complete authority over our money. He has complete authority over our families. He has complete authority over our careers. He literally has complete authority. If we, were to, if we acknowledge that God is creator of heaven and earth and that God is creator of you and me, then we are every day, we are fighting to submit our lives to his authority. Every day we wake up. This is the reason why, this is the reason why uh, studying the Bible and reading the scriptures and prayer and, and even coming to this place and singing songs, these, it helps us to be reminded that God is creator, that God has all authority. And, and, and we fight every day to submit by the power of the Spirit to submit our lives to his care. Days, some days it's harder than others, but the fact that he is creator helps us to remember that. A second big thought is God sustains the world he created. He sustains the world he created. As the creator, God is distinct from his creation, but he actually sustains it. In other words, he holds it together. He shows up in our lives. Listen to what Job says, Job 12 and 10. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verses 25 and 28. It gives God himself, he says, gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And in him we live, we move, we have our being. Every blink of the eye, every breath we take, every sound we hear, every step we, uh, every motion of our body, it is because we believe it is the grace of God. I didn't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It is because God has sustained me. If he is holding, guess what? Check this out. If he is holding this celestial ball in place right now where we are not flung off the earth and into space, if he can hold this big world together, guess what? He can hold your little world together. 
He can hold your financial world together. He can hold your marriage world together. He can hold your children's world together. He can hold your family world together. He can hold your career together. He is right now sustaining this celestial ball where it's winter when it needs to be winter, which is about eight, nine months here in Michigan. He's... When it's summer, he makes it happen. When it's fall, he makes it happen. When it's spring, he makes it happen. And if he can hold this world together, he can hold your world together. You're dealing with cancer right now, he can hold your world together. If you're dealing with divorce right now, he can hold your world together. If you're dealing with unemployment right now, he can hold your world together. He is holding this world. You're dealing with pain and suffering right now. If he can hold this big world together, he can hold your world together even now. Do you believe that? He can hold your world. He sustains He is not a God that somehow created the world and took a vacation and he is on an eternal vacation. No, he is the God who sustains and he enters our world. He doesn't have to, but he shows up and he sits next to us during when we're grieving. Cries with us. He laughs with us. He... He knows the number of hairs on our head. He doesn't have to count very much with me. (laughs) He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows when sparrows fall. We can pray for daily bread, and he gives us daily bread according to Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a prayer of would you please sustain us. And guess what? He shows up, and he sustains Psalm 46 and 1 says, he he is our refuge. I'm I'm trying to get across, I'm probably not doing a very good job, is that our God sustains. He's a refuge. He's a hiding place. He's our strength when we're weak, and he is a very present help when we get in trouble. So not only does God create, he sustains. But there's another big concept, God receives glory from the world he created. I'm just gonna run through these very quickly. Psalm 19 and one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Isaiah 43 and seven, everyone who called, who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We're created for his glory. God's creation shows his superior power. Listen to Jeremiah 10 and 12. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heaven. And then in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, God is the only one worthy of our worship. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. God didn't need more glory, but he chose to create the world. And every time the sun rises, 
the sun gives them glory. Every time the moon uh, sets or the, the, we, we see the moon, the moon gives them glory. Every time we see the stars, the stars give him glory. Every time we see a plant grow, the plant gives him glory. Every time the wind blows through the trees, they're clapping saying, you did a good job. And, and, it, and guess what? If the inanimate objects are there to give him glory, why can't we open our mouths to give the eternal God of heaven glory? <laughs> to sing for him and to tell others about him, we were created to point to God. We exist for that reason. We exist not for ourselves. We exist not to make a whole bunch of money. We exist not to have the biggest house on the block. We exist not to have our names on in lights and to to go after fame. We exist for one purpose alone, which is a part of why we talk about Trinity Church. We exist to bring glory to God and to point others toward him. That's the reason I wish, I wish I had more time, but I don't. I, I wish I had more time to talk about. This is, this is huge for us to understand creation in this way. And I'll give you the last one just very quickly. We preserve and manage the world by, that God created and sustains. In other words, we, use, we are called to use the resources that God gives us for the benefit of the world and for the benefit of creation, for the benefit of other people. Back in Genesis chapter one, we were, humanity was created to subdue and have dominion and to keep the garden. That's just another way of saying that you and I are stewards of God's creation. We are managers of God's creation. We are called to take care of God's creation. We're to develop technology for good and not for evil. We're to use money for good and not for evil. I mean, we could, we could, we could run the list The idea is, is that God show us how to take care of your earth. Why? Because one day we'll stand before God, an eternal God, and we'll have to answer how we took care of his world. So what does this mean for us? Let me finish this. This is what does this mean for us? Marvin, what about all the other questions? What about the age of the earth and all of those things? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that during the panel, but I want to give this to help us give a, a framing of this. So what do we do with all this? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, this is a story, this is a, a chapter about faith. This is what it says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of God, the people of old received their commendation. But check this out, verse three. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen, that is the world, was not made out of things that are visible. Now what this this verse is trying to communicate, the author is trying to communicate to us is that God used invisible means, his words, to create a visible world, the world in which we see. He created, he used invisible words to create a visible world. God's words created this world. Okay, so that, that's, 
the concept. Now, now the way God did it and how and when, there are a lot of individuals who have all kinds of ideas. And, and I'm, I'm not so much concerned with that per se. God could have created this world um, in such a way where every single person would know and would have evidence and that science and philosophers would understand. But, but I, I believe that God created the world in such a way that he hid some things from smart people. That, that he hid some things from scientists, and scientists might say, oh, the world looks like a billion years old. I think God could have created it that way, and, and, and yet it could be a very, a, a somewhat young earth, and, and God hid some things from smart people. And this is the reason why, because the when and the how, according to Hebrews chapter 11, can only be accessed by faith. Only accessed by faith. I think God could have created the world in such a way where scientists and philosophers could have answers to all the questions about its origin. But I think God chose to hide some things. And he has a tendency to do that. Listen to Luke chapter 10, verse 21. In the same hour, he rejoiced, talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So I think sometimes God does hide so that we might access them by faith. And we don't, have to, we don't have to get all upset and bent out of shape when we talk to our colleagues and friends. If you're part of the science community, you don't have to get upset and um, you can see it one way, they can see it another way, and, and you can still hold on to your faith. I think a second thing that we, we have to keep in mind is to not make an idol out of science. Now, please hear me. We, man, we, we embrace it. Just because science gets some things right doesn't mean that science gets all things right. So I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. That, that when I see scientists saying the, cali the world is calibrated, the universe is calibrated for life and existence that we now enjoy, I get encouraged by that. But I also get encouraged when, when some evolutionists and others say, I have no idea where consciousness comes from. I have no idea how someone could sacrifice themselves for another person. Where did that come from? I have no idea where all of these emotions and connections come from. I, I, I'm encouraged by both. I'm encouraged by, I'm encouraged by the calibration of the world, and I'm encouraged by that God has hidden some things from, from the science and philosophy community, and we can access them by faith. And then finally, we have to acknowledge that everything belongs to God, and we submit all of ourselves to him on a daily basis, whether it's our resources, whether it's our families, whether it's our houses and cars, our careers, our futures, we're submitting it to God. Why? Because everything belongs to God. This church, these elders, 
pastors, literally everything belongs to God. Your family, your, everything belongs to God. And we acknowledge that. And every day we fight to submit by the power of the Spirit to submit our lives to his authority. So when you take a drive tomorrow, you, you look at the sky, you look at the trees. Thank God. Because that's part of his creation. When you look in the mirror tomorrow, when you wash your face or tonight before you do all of your get ready to go to bed kind of stuff, look in the mirror. Thank God. Because you have purpose. You're not an accident. You're not an oops baby. You were planned according to scripture from the very beginning of time. And Jesus helps us to understand why we were created. That is to bring glory to him, have a relationship with our Father. Let's stand. All of our prayer team members, elders, deacons, if you can come forward now, if you, if you want someone to pray with you, someone to lock arms and lock shields with you to say, I don't know my purpose, I don't know where I'm going, we have elders and deacons and prayer team members to pray with you, pray for you now. Last service, a young man came up to me and said, nine years ago, I was in the darkest place of my life. I was ready to commit suicide. And you said some stuff similar to what you said today. And he said, I just want you to know, I'm still here. And he showed me his son. His son had a little snot coming out of his nose. He took his, <laughs> took his, took his sleeve and wiped the, the boogers off his kid's nose. And the cutest kid in the world, boogers and all. And he said, that's my son. And then he pointed, that's my wife. He said, my dad brought me into your office. I, I, I don't remember him. And, and yet, he said, I believe I have a purpose. And maybe that's where you are right now. God created you with purpose and design. Let me pray for us. So God, thank you. We're not accidental. We are very intentional. And it was because of your eternal power, your complete wisdom, you're not only creating the world and creating us, but you entered into our world. You limited yourself in a body. And Jesus died so that we might have life. That is something that we cannot fathom. So we pray that you would energize our faith so that we might know the goodness of creation, the beauty of creation, the purpose of creation, plan of creation. Bless your people. Thank you, thank you, thank you for creating the world. Thank you for creating us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, have a great week.